Welcome to Upfront, the podcast. I'm Katie Hannan. This week, I'm talking to Jessica Harrington. Jessica is Ireland's greatest ever woman racehorse trainer, winning many of the sport's biggest prizes. She spoke to me about her life in training, her excitement for next week's Cheltenham Festival, and her recent cancer diagnosis. I'm just reading um, here in Horse Racing Ireland, the most successful female trainer in festival history. Uh, it's an extraordinary accolade, Jessica. And I'm just wondering, coming up to Cheltenham again, does it ever get old? Do you get excited every time we're coming into March and uh, the festival is about to, to kick off again? You Yeah, you get, I, yes, I do. I get very excited. It's just, you know, it's Cheltenham is the sort of the Olympics of horse racing, you know, national hunt horse racing. And you know to win there is is just great. You know you you and I I I had my first winner and I never forget it. And it was the last race of the last millennium uh, in 1999. And I was just so excited. We didn't we were exciting. We didn't make it home as you can imagine that night. We didn't come home till the following day. There was a lot of celebrations. You've won them all, obviously, since then. Like you've done the cup. Uh, no, the... there's one missing. That's the three mile hurdle. Does that have to be done for you by you? Is that is that standing out for you as something that has to be achieved? I, I would just love to I would love to get it as it were the full house. And I've actually got one I have a runner in it this year, Ashdale Bob, who I'm not certain he'll win, but he could be placed. But you know, if everything went right, he has the ability to, to win that race. But we'll just have to wait and see. Can I ask you when you you know when you have such an incredible record that you know some trainers and some jockeys would like it once in their life they might they might have one of those. Can you pick a favorite moment out of all of those? I suppose Moscow Flyer. He won three races at Cheltenham, and probably the one I got the most satisfaction out of was the fact that when he came back, he he was champion chaser, and then the following year when he was hot favorite he fell. And he came back the next year and everyone said he was too old. I think he was then 11. And he came and he beat them all. And I think that probably gave me the most satisfaction. Can I take you right back, Jessica, right to the very beginning, growing up in, in Meath? I came, to, I came to Meath when I was, uh, I think, 18 months old. Okay, but then you were in boarding school then out of that? Yeah, then I had boarding, so I had four years in boarding school in England when I was 12 to 16. And then finishing school in Paris. Yeah, one year in, one year in Paris. You were the first person I've ever met who's actually gone to a Parisian finishing school. So you have to well, tell me, what's it like? What, what do you learn well, in finishing school, really? It, it, was kind, it was kind of called a finishing school, but like basically what it was for the first term, we went in there and we had French all morning. And then in the afternoons, um, uh, well, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, uh, you were told to meet your teacher at some tube station and you would go, um, I'd say once a week or once every 10 days, we always went to the Louvre. But, you know, it was like, it was basically all, it was a lot of culture you got more than anything else. But was it ultimately about preparing a nice, well-bred young woman for, uh, as an eligible, um, for marriage, basically? Ah, I'm not sure. No, I don't. That definitely, you know, it was it was just a, a way of, uh, it was a way of getting more, I suppose, 
a wider look because you know even though at 16 you live with a family you had to look after yourself you had to look after you got looked after by the family and fed but you you had to organize yourself and i was only just given a very small allowance to to, to to live on other than you know to do the things i wanted to do like go and have cups of coffee or this or that you know or go to the theater or go to the films you know you had to you had to learn to how to get and, and you learned how, how to get around the place the cheapest possible way you were even as a teenager though you were a very accomplished horsewoman yeah i was lucky enough I, my father you know my father and my mother rode my brother rode i was brought up to, with horses and horses all all around me and so i don't actually remember learning to ride um, but I thoroughly enjoyed the, the, the pony club and hunting and uh, do and show jumping, and um, uh, and I was uh, uh, lucky enough to you know, win a few competitions on my way along. I'm sure it's been explained to you. We have these random questions where I must ask you to pick a number between one and twenty, and we we don't know what what question might uh, pop up. Can right. I ask you to do that for us? Gosh, look, we'll have thirteen. What personality trait do you most admire? Determination. Okay. It was very, that was a very determined answer. <laughs> if you're not determined, you're not going to get anywhere. You'll give up. Is it a, is it a personality trait you see in yourself then? Uh, yes. Yes, I don't give up. Um, if I start something, I want to get it finished if I possibly can. And um, And I think, you know, you have to be determined if you want to get on okay so you are you you got married very young yourself like you were as you say you were you were winning competitions as a teenager but yeah. it was never seen as a career for a girl at that stage was it no no it wasn't um, and i got i got married when i was 21 not a great record i got divorced when i was 27 and had two children <laughs> so it didn't exactly go very well but we survived when did you get back into riding then and, and back into eventing? Uh, well, I still rode when I was in England and evented when I was in England. Um, but then I really had no intention probably of coming back here and getting into eventing again. But when I came back and married Johnny, my father still had a couple of horses and he said, would I ride them? And that's how I got back into the eventing again. They were, I was riding his horses that he'd actually bred himself. There's a particular thing in eventing and in all uh, horse riding, obviously, that women compete against men on an equal footing. It's an extraordinary facet of, of this, that sport, isn't it? Yeah, well, you mean in the show jumping and eventing and the dressage part of it, women uh, were always on a total level playing field. You took on the men and you did your best to beat them. Um, and and it's the same in racing. You know, that's again, it's a level. To, it's a level. It's a level. It's a level playing field. So uh, I was kind of used to it. Did you like that part of it? Yes, I had an elder brother growing up, and I was always trying to beat him. Because of course, there's lots of debates around uh, lots of other sports. You know, if you're a jockey, or again, you're 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 in eventing. There's no. There is just no uh, allowances made for. For your gender no no there's, no there's none you just you are as i said on a, on a level playing field okay tell me then how you turned to training horses well when i was growing up uh, my father always trained few few horses and my brother once he got over 16 he used to ride them and um and he and so i was always around when 
he, you know, he, he'd be away in school when he was in university and I was still at home then when I was sort of 17, 18, 19. And so I would ride the horses until he, you know, do a lot of work on them. Um, and so I sort of got into it there. And then I was always, I always loved racing. And then uh, when I married Johnny, he had a, 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 a permit where he could train his own horses. And I then eventually, I, after about four years of being married to him, I actually took that over and um, just trained a few horses. Uh, then the how and the why and the why, why did we get it? Why did I get into it? You know, as a, a big, you know, not big time, start, you know, starting off and actually trying to make a career of it uh, was because we used to um, buy horses and sell them. And then as with horses, they go wrong and we couldn't sell them. So we had to race them. And we just, you know, between Johnny and me, we decided, well, we better as well try and get a few owners. And I think the first year that I um, uh, I started, I think I had three outside owners and I trained 10 horses. Jessica, there's just so few women doing what you do. I mean, when I look at the numbers, 29 women trainers licensed out of 339 Irish trainers. Why do you think there are still so few doing it? Well, when I started, I suppose there were very, very few over here. And the whole, you know, I started training, what, 30, uh, 30 34 years ago. Um, and um, when I started, like, there were no women doing any of the sort of jobs in racing. Women were not clerk of the courses. They were not working for the IIHB. They weren't really, uh, they were, they were, they had no jobs. You went into a steward's room and they, you, they were always all those men. Now, there are a lot of people working in the industry. Um, I, I think it's, I don't know why so few women, you know, don't do it. It is, it's, it is tough to, to, to get going. And I remember when I started, the owners actually didn't want to talk to me. They're much, they, you know, especially Irish owners. They don't like women talking to a woman about their horse. No, they're better, they'd much rather talk to my husband. Until eventually he said, there's no use you talking to, to me. I have, I'm not in the yard. He had a, a job as a bloodstock agent. I don't even know one horse from the other. So you may as well talk to her. And are Irish owners still like that to some degree, do you think? I, mean, I suppose they still are. You know, the, 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 the Irish country fella would probably still think the, the place for the wife was in the kitchen. Like, you know, I'd go, race, I'd go racing. And then I'd be out all day and get back probably about half past six, seven o'clock at night, sometimes later. And, and inevitably, uh, Johnny would say to me, and what's for dinner? And I always used to laugh and think, uh, and, and think that, you know, <laughs> all the other trainers go home and, and their wife or partner or, so, or mother or whatever it is would have, have the plate of food ready to put down in front of them. And it always used to make me laugh. And sorry, did you turn around to start peeling potatoes after a day at the races? I would have, I'd have probably had something half organised. Because also he'd have a look in the fridge and he says, there's no food in the fridge. And I said, oh, yes, there is. There's plenty of food in the fridge. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, tell me about training horses. What makes a good trainer? A lot of luck. Uh, but that's the main thing to start with. You need to be lucky. Uh, look, everybody trains. If you talk to four different trainers, five different trainers, we all do it slightly differently and we all end up hopefully with the with the same same results in the winner's enclosure uh what is it you you need to you, we all also we all 
don't like the same horse. I look at a horse differently to everyone else. I think I like that one because of this, 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 this. It might only be little things slightly different. Um, the training of horses, we all do it slightly different depending on what our gallops are. Um, and, you know, as I said, to start with, you know, you then need, you need to have the, you know, you need to have luck and you also need to be a little bit uh, intelligent as to where you're going to run the horses and manage them. The management of the horse and running in the right races is also very important. Can a good horse be ruined by bad a bad trainer or by poor, poor training. Yes, because it'll probably get injured. And that's always the bane of every trainer's life is that horses getting injured. You know, and if you put too much pressure on a horse too young or too much pressure when it's just not quite like you end up with an injury. And those are the things that are heartbreaking. Okay, we'll take another question. Give me another number. Seven. Okay, when was the last time you cried? Uh, not so long ago, um, as you know, I'm going through uh, cancer treatment at the moment. Um, I definitely did a bit of crying when I got the diagnosis and then what I had to go through. Um, and I've definitely done a bit of crying over that. Can I ask you, because obviously you, uh, you know, very tragically lost Johnny to cancer. Do you mind talking about, you know, this, your diagnosis now? Did you, is it very recent? It was in uh, October. And uh, no, I don't mind talking about it. Um, I just, my first reaction was when I was told I had cancer was I was too old to get cancer. And so you are in the middle of uh, chemo treatment at the moment? I am. I've got, I am in the middle. I'm down, I'm down to the end of it. I did 12 weeks. I've then got in two more to go. And I see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's absolutely fantastic. I must say, you look very well for a woman who's just been through what you've just described there. Uh, have you been able to, like, have you been able to keep going? Have you been able to, like, go out in the yard or, you know? Um, you know, I've been out in the yard virtually every day. I've had a couple of blips. I got a flu after Christmas and I just, last week, I got a temperature again. I had to go into the hospital. But that's just, that goes with it. So that's fine. You get, they get the right temperature out of you and then away you go again. Um, no, I've been very lucky. And, and I'm very lucky to be able to have they live in the country and every morning I've got to get up and look at beautiful horses and watch them walk. And so I've been doing that. I've hardly missed a day when I'm here, except if it's very cold. Um, I feel the cold a bit. And, um, you know, I, I, I've been very, yeah, very, 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 very doing basically all of that. I haven't been racing because I don't want to go mixing with a lot of people because of getting infections. Yeah, for sure. Um, but as you say now, you're you're almost out the gap. You're you're you're, and you have a very positive prognosis at that point. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Um, you know, so everything's gone so far so good, and um, and then we've got a few more things to be done. I've got to be I have an operation, and I've probably got to have some radiotherapy. So you know, we've still got a bit more to do. But at least um, you know, I might get some hair back. You know, that'd be lovely. <laughs> Um, you know, there's, there's so many funny things that well, happen when you actually, I had no idea something happened to you when you're on keto. It's just, you know, you have to laugh about them. The hair thing is, uh, I mean, I know a lot of people react very differently to that, but even if you have no vanity whatsoever, I think it's still a sort of a psychological blow, the hair, particularly like things like eyebrows and, you know, what, what oh. you don't expect. Uh, yeah, you know, your eyebrows go, your eyelashes go. 
you know, and you know, it's lovely. No hair on your body, brilliant. Um, but the hair, I've got some of my, my hair. My, some of my hair. Um, well, there's one very nasty thing about, about not having any hair. You don't, you lose the hair on your nose, so your nose drips, uh, which is not very pleasant. Uh, but you have to laugh about it. Um, but like when I my hair started falling out, I um, uh, I I said I can't bear this, and I just went off and got my head shaved, and and I just wear I either wear well, I'm wearing a wig today. Um, high days and holidays I wear a wig, and otherwise I just wear a woolly hat and a sort of turban thing. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I can't change it. You're ob- you you are yourself about this. You you kind of. Uh, matter of fact in the way that people would always associate with you Jessica but I mean you obviously it must have had some dark dark days when you as you say you cried a little when uh, you not, when you heard not many because you don't need dark days you've got to you know you've always got to you know I think having dark days with cancer cancer might feed on that that's my attitude so therefore we can't have dark days but if you do have a bit of a white blip you pull yourself up and carry on because there's an awful lot of other people much worse than you are. And of course, you have your family around you there now because Commonstown is is a family operation now. That's why I'm very lucky. You know, they're, they're, very, they're, they're quite funny when they get to hospital. They say, uh, does anyone live with you? I say, no. Are you all right on your own? I said, absolutely fine. I have three dogs that look after me at night. I said, I have my family around me all the time of the day because they're really here all day. Um, and I said, I need peace and quiet by the time I get tonight. I can do my own thing. And, you know, I'm used to living on my own. I've been living on my own now for nearly nine years. So it's, it's, it's not, a, it, I don't mind it. I actually, I, I actually rather like my own time and peace. And I can, I can control the television. There's always an upside. Do you, will you make it to Cheltenham this year under the circumstances? No, no. no. I was told when I started, before I started my treatment that I was not allowed to travel. And it was just a sort of actually total sods law. This year I had, I think, three, three different trips all booked and paid for. I was going to Egypt. I was going to Japan to see a horse run, going to Egypt. I was going to London just before, twice. Uh, then I was going to Australia, and then I was going skiing. And so all those trips had to be cancelled. So my poor travel insurance had a horrible time. Okay, but so you'll be, you'll be watching Cheltenham from your... Living room there. Yeah, I will indeed. Yeah, I will indeed. Screaming at the television. As we all will be. Is it going to be a good year for the Irish, do you think? I think so. I think they'll, you know, maybe they might win quite as many races. I always say this before, just before Cheltenham, because I think we kind of get a little bit complacent. And I was thinking, oh, no, don't get too complacent that we're going to win everything. We're not. You know, it, that, it doesn't work like that. And um, anyway, so I, I just said, I think we'll win enough races, but whether we'll, you know, have as, as much of a whitewash as we did last year and the year, and the year before, I don't think so. Take one more random question, uh, Jessica, please. Uh, 20. Would you agree that you should never meet your heroes? No, must meet your hero. Have you because had I, the experience of meeting? Well, my hero in racing was Vincent O'Brien. I thought he was an absolute genius because I grew up as a kid when he was winning Grand Nationals, um, races at Cheltenham, um, and then he turned to the flat. And, you know, he, he was my hero, and I did meet him. You probably didn't know he was my hero, but, you know, but I did meet him a lot of times. And so, yes, you must meet your hero. 
because I don't think you're if, if he's your if, if he or she is your hero, I think um I actually do think you, you they are your hero for a reason. And I think you they don't usually disappoint. Okay. I can't let you go without asking you what everyone would want me to, to ask you. Have you any tips for us? <laughs> As I, I, I actually haven't really thought about it, to tell you the honest truth, um, because uh, I've been watching a lot, of, uh, a lot of television and listening to an awful lot of opinions. You know, you've got the road to Cheltenham on every day and, and reading the Racing Post and everybody's opinion about this and opinion about that. I don't know, there's, there's always the obvious ones. Um, but I think um, there's one horse there in the in, in the after or is it in the champion chase? Gentleman, gentleman to me, I was very impressed with him at that time. Jessica, thank you so so much. It was really really lovely talking to you. Well, thank you. I hope I didn't talk too much nonsense. You talked wonderful sense as always, uh, and the very very best of luck with what's happening with you there. All right, thank you very much. And that was Jessica Harrington. And I know the internet connection did wobble a little there, but I think you'll all agree it was well worth sticking with it. Subscribe now to get new episodes on your feed when they're published and get in touch if there's someone you'd like to hear featured. On Twitter, we're at RT Upfront or send us a WhatsApp message to 087 677 1000. Talk to you next week.